Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Big 12 podcast. And joining me tonight, it is Stephen Simcox of Locked On Horn Frog. Stephen, you like that intro, don't you? I do. My goodness, the production value in a week has gone up. Do you have an intern or something? What you say? Yeah, somebody behind, behind the scenes working on it. No, um, they put that together for us, so we're glad that they have that. Before we get to the football, the, the college football, uh, the real reason I had you on is I have to know, what is your favorite uh, Bishop Sycamore meme? That's really what the internet is all about right now. I was going to tell you, I, I mean, I, I want to give you my undivided attention, but actually I'm interviewing to be their head coach later tonight, so – uh, they had me wire them $10,000 first, which I thought was kind of weird, but it's a good opportunity. So I thought I'd give it a go. That's a good question. Um, it, it's not really necessarily a meme. There was just a still shot of a kid running off the field, and I use the term kid loosely because this <laughs> this looked like a person that had bills that was, you know, paying rent or something. Right. He looked like he was about 26 years old, and somebody just basically said – you know, laughing my tail off. Come on, man. Like, what are what are we even yeah. doing here? Uh, but, yeah, it's bizarre situation. As as someone who grew up and got to cover and still lives in a state in Texas that is high school football obsessed, uh, I've seen and heard about some things in the name of winning at that level. It's pretty crazy. But I can't say I've ever really heard of anything like uh, what Bishop Sycamore was trying to pull off there. Well, it's like you look at the cast of Friday Night Lights and like they're I mean, they they do the football thing. OK, like like they pass it off fine. Yeah. But like they all look like they're 30. And it's like that's like the real real life version. I, I haven't told the story on this podcast yet, but um, this Sunday I was working with Tom Luganville on and he was uh, on the morning show on ESPN U Radio on Sirius XM. And Tom was telling us during one of the breaks after the game after the show, rather, I have to go to the studio and do a game with Anish Roth. We're doing IMG Academy against Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> and he's like, and these, they tell us they've got D1 guys. We can't find them in Rivals or 24-7 Sports or whatever else. And he said, you know, it's a school for wayward boys, I guess, out of Ohio. But uh, he's like, they lost their last game by 33 points. And lo and behold, I guess I, I saw it on TV because I was like, oh, Luke was talking about this and it was 30, whatever it was early on in the game. And then Monday, kind of stuff started coming out about it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, it's so funny. And, and so, um, you know, just kind of, it, it's just so weird that Luke's had mentioned that was going to happen. And now this is all of a sudden the talk of the, of the college. The, I'd, I'd say it's more the talk of like the college football world just because this story kind of relates closer to to all of us right it's like oh here are these kids that probably wouldn't even be in the college football sport but here they are playing playing football at this level it was wild and i mean anish and tom did the best they could but you could tell and rightly so you know i've i've done high school games before and there are a lot of weeks where yeah the talent is just on one side it's overwhelming and you sort of know from the kickoff okay this team's right. gonna win big but they were just so um, openly kind of frustrated with what they were watching. And um, it, it's still amazing to me. I know ESPN has kind of said, hey, it was a consulting firm that set this up. It really wasn't our doing. But it you would just think with all the um, ability now to look things up, somebody would have used some quality control and said, hey, uh, maybe we should 
you know, hit hit the back pedal on this a little bit or, or pivot to another game. Uh, let's get into some Big 12 football here. But first, we're going to talk about our friends at betonline.ag. Uh, they've got the world's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Right now, NFL, college football, uh, MLB, whatever it is you want to bet on. Steven, what 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 bet are you looking most forward to making this weekend on betonline.ag? Oh, man, that's a good question. So I'm definitely looking college football-wise. I want to see the line for Clemson and Georgia because I know at least talking to people, uh, Clemson seems like a slight favorite. And I really, like this, yeah, I really like this Georgia team. I know they're – you know, breaking in some some new guys. But that's a fascinating week one matchup, and I think that could be uh, some good value there. Well, you can bet on that at betonline.ag. Just go there today. Make an account. It's free to do. You can use your iPhone. You can use your iPad, uh, your computer. Hey, if you have an iPod Touch that still works, uh, you can go and verify your agent. I'm pretty sure you can probably sign up on that as well. You can go there right now. Bet online, people. They are your online sportsbook experts. So TCU, big story here. Um, part of the reason I wanted to have you on, Stephen, is that it looks like Zach Evans is going to be out for the opener against Duquesne for a violation of, I believe it's being described as a violation of team rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you know about the situation, and how long do you think it could affect Zach William, uh, Zach Evans, excuse me, his status with TCU? So, the, yeah, the story uh, got out of hand a little bit. The actual quote, he's going to be suspended for the first couple series of this game. Mm. Um, he will play, it appears, at some point in this contest against Duquesne. Now, Gary, it was funny. I actually I listened to 18 minutes of Gary Passion audio before we, we recorded this, which is always a fun exercise. But he sort of prefaced this. He said, yeah, Zach, team policy violation – and he went on to also tout that he had a 3.75 GPA in the spring and has been a model citizen since he got on campus. But I think there is some concern warranted just because if you don't know a lot about Zach Evans, a uh, super talented kid, had some issues in high school, was actually suspended for one of their state title games because of a um, – depends on who you ask, but basically they had a rule where you couldn't use your cell phone um, the night before the game, and Zach refused to – uh, fall in line with that and decided to go ahead and leave instead of playing in the state title game. He had a very interesting recruitment. He was he's just going to Georgia, time. right? Yeah, he's just going to Georgia. At one time he was signed right. with Georgia. The rumor was that basically on early signing day, he was just kind of calling around asking people like, hey, you have room for me? Could I sign here? Um, eventually backed out of that and randomly sort of ended up at TCU. So he's no stranger to – um, I guess off the field issues, and this is something. I mean, I think if it if it wasn't Zach, it wouldn't be a big deal. But it is worth mentioning. Yeah, he, he Gary didn't elaborate on what that is. Um, I, I'm assuming it's a pretty minor thing if he's going to end up playing at least some of the game against Duquesne. But it's something to watch. I mean, he had, he had bought in, and he had a really good freshman year. Um, Darwin Barlow transferred, so he's like the dude there at running back, even though they have some talented guys behind him. But coming out of high school, the reputation that sort of preceded Zach, whether it's fair or not, was get as much as you can out of this guy before maybe things take a turn and you have to um, either suspend or possibly part ways with him at some point in his career. 
Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he's you know, and TCU is not like the easiest school in the world, right? And he's got a you know, he's got a, a three seven five GPA. But um, yeah, I mean, you bring back the the cell phone story. And I remember that circulating around, and you know, I remember his recruitment at Georgia, such a highly touted kid. That's a backfield that's got a couple guys who have averaged over seven yards of carry. Totally blanking on the other guy's name. Um, Kendra is Kendra, yeah, Kendra Miller? Miller's there. Yeah, Kendra Miller, yeah. Um, and then Demarquay Foster's a dude that's battled injuries, but he's he's pretty talented, so they have some depth there. But th- both those guys, uh, Miller and Zach Evans, were 50 plus carries and over seven yards of carry last year, which is mm-hmm. great returning production and for an offense that needs to or that wants to more rely on those running backs running the football as opposed to Max Duggan doing that. And thank you for correcting me. Yes, I'd be out. He won't start the game was the, I guess right. the, the quote, right? That's the official. He won't start the game. But I think between the suspension uh, for the first part and also the fact that it's Duquesne, we probably won't end up seeing too much. Yeah. I think because of that, we won't see um, too much uh, of Zach Evans in this game, but I'm kind of thinking about, you know, Gary Patterson now that we're on game week and just thinking about this TCU team man, this is such a huge season for Gary Patterson, such an important season because we've been kind of waiting for that turnaround for the last couple of years. And really he's been around 500 the last three seasons and below 500 in the league. And it feels like just as each day passes, like this really is such a critical season for him and his career as a coach. I'd agree with that. I think one of the first times we ever talked, you sort of asked me like, what's the pulse around him? And it's uh, it's funny. I mean, he's, he's got a statue outside the stadium. And when I describe how fans feel about him to people that might not be super familiar with TCU, I say most colleges, if uh, the team's bad, it pretty much all falls on the coach. And at TCU, a lot of the blame usually shifts to the players because people just trust Gary so much. But this has been a year that they've been building towards now for a couple seasons. Um, they finished last season strong. And I, I do think there are some um, folks that are starting to get a little restless as far as, okay, when is this when is this turnaround coming? Because he, he's done a really nice job in his career of following subpar seasons with a really good seasons. You know, back in 2013, they went four and eight. And that was the year before they were seven and six. And Everybody said, well, maybe he's losing his fastball a little bit. And then they reeled off, you know, three 10-win seasons in four years. And now we're sort of in another rut. So can he find a way to get back out of it again? Uh, I do think it's a critical year. I mean, there are some tough games on the schedule, some games that you look on paper and you say, well, I don't – I can't imagine them winning that, Um, you know, mainly going on the road to Oklahoma and Iowa State. But if this is – the program that he's sort of built and if it's up to the standard that he's set um, at some point, you got to start winning those uh, and, and getting back to at least being in the hunt for a conference title. So I think it's, it's critical that they do that uh, and show that, okay, this is still a, a system that, that works um, and that can get things done because I'll also say recruiting had been really good the past five or six years, but the last two cycles, you know, they still have time here and uh, this 2022 class, but these last two cycles, at least from a rankings perspective have also been down. So I I think there's some momentum that's certainly lacking uh, right now and and some fire that might be lacking and they need, they need a shot in the arm. They need a jolt that could come from, you know, winning some big games and, 
and being in serious bowl contention again. All right, I'm going to ask you about the over-under win total for TCU in a second. But first, I want to give the people a good word from our uh, our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best protein bar out there right now, my friends. They are also the sponsor of the U.S. track and field team. Uh, so that's pretty cool. They've got coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. Steven, what's your favorite Built Bar fi- uh, flavor? Probably peanut butter brownie, but mm. I'll say – I'm not a big coconut guy, but anything yeah. they do with coconut works really well. So you can't go wrong with that either. I they the marshmallow flavor. I think I think that's what it was a little while ago. I love mm-hmm. that. It was freaking amazing. And here's the thing: when you guys when you when you eat Built Bars, you actually don't feel too bad about eating eating them. It's like 17 grams of protein, only 130 to 180 calories, four grams of sugar, only four grams of net carbs. Go to built.com. It's now built. Dot com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. LOCKED15 at Built.com today for 15% off on your first order. Also check out their Built Go, their Built Boost. Uh, two great products as well in addition to Built uh, built Bars. But Built.com, that is a place to go. Promo code LOCKED15. All right, so I've got the TCU schedule here. All right, I just uh, just got it. There you go. Boom, fancy graphics. That's, that's how we do it. All right, so... I believe the over/under win total. I want to double check this right now. I bet online, but I believe it was seven. I think that's what it was seven or seven and a half. I'm going to double check that now. So we talked about progress you and I did, and this is one of those teams. I feel like West Virginia and TCU might be in a situation where progress. I know the fans went eight and four, nine and three, I, I, and that's that's what I've heard. I know Drew Davison of the of the uh, Fort Worth Star Telegram said that he feels like nine and three is possible, and it is. But I circle that middle stretch where it's – and even you can include Cal. Cal, SMU, Texas at Tech, at Oklahoma, home for West Virginia, at Kansas State. It's a brutal stretch. Those are, those are all solid football teams. I mean, Cal's got a good defense, Justin Wilcox. Obviously, SMU under Sonny Dykes has been solid. Texas is a tough opponent. The game's always close. At Tech on the road playing in Lubbock is not easy. At Oklahoma, we know how good they are. West Virginia, we know, is solid. And then at Kansas State on the road to Manhattan is not going to be easy either. So, you know, it's not like the best teams in the world, but obviously that's that's a difficult stretch in my opinion. So, you know, how are you feeling as we kind of inch closer to this season? I mean, this Duquesne game, we know – I mean, I'd be – it'd be a huge shock, really one of the biggest shocks of the weekend if they didn't take care of business. But this is a really difficult schedule. So I'm not sure – you know, progress is going to be necessarily marked by wins and losses because they've got so many difficult games. Sure. I mean, I think that's uh, that's an interesting take on things. I feel pretty confident about the over, Josh, but I agree with you. I mean, it's a tough schedule, and, and I think the over-under could be decided, and it's funny that I say this because they had a great turnaround last year, but you really need to start 3-0. Like Cal and SMU, yes, they are tough non-conference games, SMU, an American conference team that is rising. Cal, solid defense with Justin Wilcox. If you're a a team that's flirting with being ranked, though, or you're ranked, you need to win those two games at home. Then you get Texas at home, which they've handled UT really well in the Big 12 era, but it's another new coach, another new system. Uh, They have talent. And they can't drop any uh, silly games. And, And I don't mean silly as in these teams aren't good. But they struggled with West Virginia and Neil Brown. Um, they have to find a way to win that game at home. 
Last year they lost to K-State with Will Howard back there, and all due respect to Will Howard, but that was a game right. they he, should not have lost. Yeah, he was very good. Yeah, so you go on the road. You need to find a way to win that. Uh, and, I mean, even like Baylor's rivalry game on the road in Lubbock's always tough. So, yeah, th- there is a, a, a formidable schedule, and um, I think they can get to eight or nine, and I if they're the team that they're supposed to be, they will. Um, but it's, it's a lot of weeks where you're sort of like, well, this could go, you know, a bounce of the ball this way. This could go poorly. Uh, and they have to find a way to win those close games, which they did towards the end of last season, but could not, you know, find a way to get done against K-State and Iowa State early in the year last year. Here's, here's my issue with this is that in Vegas and, and, and bet online's got them at seven and a half. And actually what's interesting is, the over seven and a half is minus 160. So that as far as over-unders goes, and I've been studying the, the Big 12 ones, I mean, minus 160 is pretty heavy, heavy juice on a on an over. They're supposed to set these to get even action on both sides. And a lot of the time you'll see minus 120, maybe minus 130 on some of these. Minus 160, it's pretty considerable. Here's my problem. I'm looking at the schedule once again, is that I see four losses on here. And I, I can the, the four that I think that are – Actually, three for sure. OU, uh, at OU, at Oklahoma State, at Iowa State. I think those, I'm going to put them down as losses. Maybe, are you, hey, TCU and uh, Oklahoma State, that's one we feel like we can get. I'm pretty high on Oklahoma State. So I, I think those three are losses. And then the problem is I can pick another two games pretty easily and I can make a case for at Tech and Texas or at Tech and SMU or, right. you know, um, uh, let's see what else, at Kansas State and West Virginia. I think the problem for me is it's really easy to make a case for a couple of games. And look, it starts with this. I have no, I do not have confidence in Max Duggan because, and you and I have, we talked about it every single time, but like, it's not like there was an intermediate passing game to build off of. There was none. They're starting from, from zero. And I know people like Quentin Johnston. I know people think that receiving core is going to take a step forward and the offensive line's better. If their offensive line is just moving dudes up front, then maybe the intermediate passing game is not much of an issue, or uh, it's you know the receivers have a ton of time to get open, so their abilities kind of against the lower tier or middle tier teams it won't be that much of a big issue because they'll have plenty of time to get open. But still, I'm not at a point where I'm I'm, I'm a truster of Max Duggan, I'm a truster of the offense right now, and so that's why I'm I kind of like the under, especially at a value of plus one thirty. Now I think TCU does win seven games. I think they definitely do, but I don't know if they get to eight. Like I think it's a, I think it's an uphill climb because they just felt so inconsistent to me last year. And I think some of the places where they were able to pick off teams, you know, uh, they beat Texas last year and, and they beat um, Oklahoma State last year as well. Like I think those both those games flipped this year. I think they lose both of them. So you know, I think there is a there's an argument to be made that um, that eight would be a success in my opinion. I think eight would be a really strong season for TCU. You're betting on some ifs on offense. The reason I'm optimistic about the offense is this O-line staying healthy and getting better. And if they mm-hmm. can run the ball well, which is something they did towards the end of the year, then um, even if Max is not adequately improved, I think it gives you some more options on that side of the ball. The, the big question to me, Josh, is towards the end of last season, and the Oklahoma State game was a legit, like, Nice win at home Mm -hmm. to close Big 12 play. That was a a Cowboy team that was kind of fading a little bit. But 
two things that, that really stood out. Your running game was fantastic, and the, the pass rush started to get home. You know, Kyrie Coleman and O'Shawn Mathis were really getting after the quarterback. Now, that was against Oklahoma State, Baylor, Texas Tech, Kansas. So was that just feasting on the lower tier of the conference, or was that an actual sign that you can do that consistently in 2021? If it's a sign that you're doing that consistently and you're winning battles up front, I really like their chances with the skill talent they have. Uh, if it's more of the same, then you have trouble. But, you, ha- yeah, you're right. You have to find a way, most likely, to go one and two in that three-road game. You know, it's not really a stretch. It's different times of the year. But Norman, Ames, Stillwater, you need to win one. And that's tough. Yeah. I mean, they haven't had much success in Stillwater. Obviously, Norman and Ames, those teams are great, and that's going to be on the road. But if you can steal one – um, then you're sitting there in pretty good position. And if they steal one, they might be the third. I mean, they might end up being number third in the, you know, number three in the yeah, league. Yeah, right, right, right. I think for them, the three and zero starts imperative. I think Ace and that Cal and Ace and that SMU game, and luckily they're both at home for them, right? So, Ace and both those games is super important to hitting that over number and also to getting get off on the right start. You know, um, want to ask you about just in general this weekend. You know, Big Twelve or otherwise, kind of as we wrap up. What's the thing you're looking forward to the most this weekend as we head into actual college football? Man, there's some good games. I mean, we, we mentioned Clemson, Georgia earlier. Obviously, that's the headliner. Uh, I think Penn State, Wisconsin will be good. And Big 12-wise, uh, K-State and Stanford. Like, I just want to see Kansas State against the team that sort of built similarly. Similarly, excuse me. But I think if I had to pick one thing – it's probably just having like full stadiums again. And I know it's not going to be uh, not every game is going to be rocking, but um, I do think that makes a difference, you know, and uh, who comes out with some energy and some enthusiasm. How many games do we get this season that are flipped just because tough road environment, some things, you know, went awry for the away team. Uh, but yeah, a good weekend slate. I mean, it, maybe it's just the, uh, the fact that we're coming off a weird season with COVID, but I feel like it's the best kind of week zero, week one um, matchups that we've had in a long time. All right, Stephen Simcox of Locked on Horde Frogs. Where can people find you and your podcast? Well, the trusty graphic tells you <laughs> at Simcox Stevens, where you can find me on Twitter. At Locked on TCU is where you can find the show on Twitter. I try to tweet that out every day. And then, of course, wherever you get podcasts, um, Spotify, Apple, Audacity, whatever you use, Lockdown Horn Frogs, uh, subscribe, and you can get it straight to your phone every day. All right, Stephen Simcox, Lockdown Horn Frogs football this week. Let's do it. Go Bishop Sycamore. Go Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> Go Sycamore.